Is that a winter storm going through your area? Say what? The winter storm. Um, we are getting rain and it's supposed to freeze, so we'll see what happens. VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 638, recorded on February 2nd, 2022. Thirty-eighth edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and four hundred seventy-first episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Dinsey. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. The VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode six thirty-eight, recorded on February second, twenty twenty-two. Wait, what happened? <laughs> We're doing it again? What happened? I'm confused. You don't get it, do you? Uh, is this ground? Oh, it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, a lot of stuff has happened in the past week. Uh, when we're going to be talking about it, but you know what? Um, before we talk about what we've been playing, um, let's do some little. Uh, News bites, which are news items, but we're not going to spend much time on them because either we've talked about it already or it's not worth discussing more than like two minutes. Um, I'm pretty sure you saw this note, (laughs) this news item from Monday in which an Activision VP uh, said some peculiar things that were anti-union. They essentially said, you know, a union isn't going to do anything to help us produce world-class games. Way to stay classy, Activision. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is just... I, I. Let me ask you a question. Were you making world-class games before? I, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> You've been making shitty games, and now you're saying, well, having a union is going to make our games... is not going to help us make our games, which is untrue. And we already discussed, I think it was last week, how they tried to divide everybody into different things, so it was harder to unionize and all that stuff. It's going to be interesting to see how Microsoft handles this in next year because, um, here's, you know, Microsoft, I don't think, has had to deal with people wanting to unionize, mainly because they have a lot of employee benefits that make them happy. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what Microsoft does to defuse this. Um Aside from, you know, showing Bobby Kotick the door and letting developers work on what they want to work on. I don't know. I I don't know if they'll. Here's the thing. Activision started it. I think Microsoft will let them unionize simply because it's too much work not to let them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, like if 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 Microsoft steps in and puts the boot on like the proverbial boot on the necks of this whole unionization thing, they end up looking as bad as Activision Blizzard. So, I mean, they're a trillion dollar company. I think they can afford to, but I don't think they want to, especially after all the work that Phil Spencer has done to Harbor Harbor, the positive and the positive image that that company has now when it comes to gaming. 
that. Yeah. No, just just commentate. There's three uh, of us. <laughs> I mean, it, it does seem strange. I can't think of any great games that have come from them. Uh, I guess I know they've been doing Diablo 2 remake, which I thought was pointless. Uh, I knew it wasn't pointless. I, I just I can't wait for them to get owned by to, for this deal to go through, and then hopefully uh, see some CR games uh, get made again. But uh, I know it's a long shot. Microsoft did say that there would be Activision and Blizzard games coming to Game Pass as soon as possible. So at least there's that. Oh, by the way, um, I did not know this, but you know that Windjammer 2 is on Game Pass, so I'm going to be trying it out. Uh, TJ was the one who re- reviewed it last week. Which one? Windjammer 2? Yes. The game is very, very... It's got a bit of a learning curve, but uh, it's quite good. It's quite rewarding. I would say it's quite rewarding to learn, too. So have you seen the Resident Evil 4 HD project, TJ? I have. That is easily the most sparkling mod I have ever seen for a game. Um. And God, they did a lot of work on it. Eight years. Eight years that went into that thing. And they actually went to locations that Capcom went to and, like, retraced their steps to go out of their way and and create high-resolution textures to replace the game's textures in the game. Um, That is an insane amount of work to do for a mod. Anyways, as we move to what you've been playing... um I've just been continuing to play not for broadcast. Uh, like I said, it's Papers, Please, just, you know, with a television broadcast. Yes, I remember you talking about this. Was it? I think last week. It was last week. Yeah, it just uh-huh. came out last week. Actually, it would actually came out the day that we recorded the podcast, <gasps> which is why I hadn't gotten too far into it. But it's hey, it's worth a look. It's a budget game, but it doesn't feel like a budget game. Well, the productions are really high. The acting is really good. Um, there's a lot of quote unquote FMV, although really it's just you know video files. But you know it. I, actually, I will say this: it makes me want to play Papers Please again. Anyways, yeah, Papers Please is like something that I feel like I have to be in the mood to play that game just because it's so it's so dour. Well, you know, um, when I'm sometimes I'll just play it on easy mode, and w- what easy mode does is basically give you twenty dollars at the end of the month, no matter what. You know, it's like a little bonus, so you can, you know. And when I have that bonus, you know, I do a lot better because I'm I'm relaxed and checking all these papers, and I'm getting very few. I will say this though, you know, when that noise of the paper printing when you're getting a citation, that just makes me feel horrible. Mm-hmm. I hate that noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like that one jerk of a of like a commissioner that like if he if he finds any sort of decoration in your office, he yeah. will yell at you and then the second time he'll have you taken away. <laughs> Here's the thing, um I don't even put those things up in my office except for of course the uh, the awards you get. And you know, he acts like an asshole even if you have even if you're perfect when he first starts. He's, "Oh, well, you didn't have any citations." Well, Congratulations this time. 
Anyways. Congrats, you are doing job. You do job. You're doing your job adequately. But hey, at least I'm keeping my wife, my son, my my uncle. <laughs> Anyways, um, have you ever played Papers Please, Scott? I uh, know I haven't. I've seen uh, let's plays of it, and uh, it seems a very interesting game, very dystopian, as you are you know forced to make decisions on how to survive. And uh, put your your family and yourself to hell, and trying to you know get process people and keep security up. It's just a really crazy game. You should see the uh, music video that they did for it for the musical. <laughs> it's just hilarious. <laughs> and oh boy, how you know what? Here's the thing. I feel no guilt when I send people to the. Uh, to, to the broom and as Yahtzee Croshaw is why don't you meet these nice men with guns and take you to the place where people seem to go in but never seem to come out again <laughs> it's hilarious I, I, I have an evil streak I must admit I guess I get a sadistic glee from and you know what that couple that's trying to sneak over the border tough nuggets bitch I don't care <laughs> I don't care. He can die and you can he can you can live and he can die. I don't care. It's it, it's my job and my family is more important than your family. So that's what you get for not having your proper password paperwork. Anyways, uh, TJ, what have you been playing? <laughs> um, I started Fuga Melodies of Steel. Oh, and? I wanted I wanted a feels trip, so we had been talking. I remember we had been talking about that before. That was the first time I had ever heard of that game. Yeah, during the awards. And uh, it, I I like the art style. I like the music, and I like the idea of like the each of the. So now that I've been playing it, each of the kids <coughs> has like a specialty to them, yeah. where like if you put them in a in, in a gunner spot. They have a different weapon and a different special skill. Or if you put them in like a supporting spot behind the gunner, they have like a support skill. And like then there's the fact that like as you go through the game, you can have the have them interact with each other. And certain kids, if they interact enough, they will create a bond and they will unlock a linked skill that is super useful in combat. So I've really been enjoying like not not just like the the fact that the story is a very touching one and the fact that the the art and music is good, but I really like the uh, I really like the technicals behind the gameplay. Yeah, I mean that uh, that bonding. I, I've only known I think I've seen one or two games that do that, in which if if two characters are with each other enough, they start to have a special power. And I can't put my finger on it. I know there are some games like Dragon Age in which if they if they max out on one side or the other, like Dragon Age uh, Two, go ahead. Trials, Trials of Cold Steel uh, does that too. They okay. have bonding things that uh, allow them to do special abilities in combat when they get uh, high enough uh, ranking or bonding rank. I haven't I haven't played it. Does Persona do that? Yes, I believe so. Suikoden okay. does that too, where some characters, if they're together in combat, have uh, special abilities that can only be unlocked if they're together. Oh, I don't mean that. I mean, you had that in The Simpsons. Remember The Simpsons fighting game? If you had two characters and they did a special move? No, I mean, 
you know, a role-playing game in which when you level them up and two characters are together more often, they start, oh, XCOM, damn it. Of course, they have a bond, but the the power is always the same, though. It's not quite the same, but XCOM does sort of that thing, too, in which you can have two people who are really into each other who bring out on missions together. Oh, um, I mean, like, in Suikoden 4, if, if, if you have two characters that have, like, history with each other and you level them up together, they uh, they can do special attacks together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Fuga has been... I am not very far. I only just got past the first boss. Which, by the way... Um, the it's uh, it, it's very obviously like a World War One, World War Two theme yeah. game, but I cannot take the uh, <laughs> I cannot take the dog Nazi take commander seriously when his name is Colonel Pretzel. <laughs> You're thinking of springtime for Hitler now, right? <laughs> that girl, the girl with the pretzels uh, on her breasts. Remember that? <laughs> it's like his name's Pretzel. Like, really? <laughs> This guy is going to blow up my kids and their tank with his with his super tank, and his name is Pretzel. I'm sorry. I just I lost it. I lost my shit at that. Yeah. It makes uh. me hope that uh, that all of these like named enemies in the game have like typical cat and dog names, like Sergeant Mittens or uh, <laughs> or or or, or, Grand Gen- or Grand General Biscuit. Or have stuff like uh, Colonel Beer, <laughs> Colonel Oktoberfest. <laughs> but yeah, it's a fun game so far, and I'm I'm gonna go all the way through that journey. How about you, Scott? What have you been playing? I'm continuing to play uh, Sakuna: Rise and Ruin, the game that just right. goes it gets really detailed in the whole farming. I'm now sorting through uh, good seeds and bad seeds to help increase my yield even more um and it's it's an interesting game because you level up in power through growing rice and you can uh either have white rice that'll grow your strength or get the brown rice to get you food bonuses you uh, you eat food bonuses that'll get you uh like temporary strength for that day uh and and just the, the story is really nice too uh, you know, because you have all these characters that you uh, end up stranded with on this island, and you're trying to uh, explore it and find the secrets and find a way off the island too, because you they they all want to return home, but they have to, I guess, make the island safe and uh, prosper. <sighs> By the way, um, Cyber Connect. You know, I forgot, you know, they usually do all these Naruto games. They also did Asura's Wrath. I forgot all about that game. Do you remember that game? No? I do not remember that one. You don't remember Asura's Wrath? It was back in 2012. No. So. Oh, no, and I do remember that game. I love that game. Yeah, they did the same. They, they, they developed that game, too. The people who do Sukuna of Rise of Ruin? No, Fuga, Memories of Steel. Oh, Wow, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought. Wait, Asura's Wrath is Capcom. I thought. Yeah, it was published by Capcom. It was developed by CyberConnect too. Wow. CyberConnect two did all the Naruto games, all of them. Yes. I do remember <laughs> that. But they also did Asura's Wrath, and I forgot all about that. 
That's why his wrath is ridiculous and good, and I love it. (laughs) It's like, it's just, you know, it's like one of those things that just pop in. You know, there's a game that you haven't thought about for decades. Oh, yeah, Sora's Wrath. I forgot all about that one. So, anyways. We're going to move on to game news. Now, um, a lot of the game news is about Sony this week because um, they did a lot of things, like buy Bungie. Sort of, kind of. It's very strange, their acquisition of Bungie. It may, Sony makes it sound like they're more partners than they are owners of Bungie, which is strange. Um, but there's a reason for that, um, and they explained it today, uh, February 2nd. Uh, Sony said uh, Sony wants to help Bungie turn its franchises into movies, and this comes to us from IGN. Sony says that Bungie wants to turn its games into multimedia franchises, and the PlayStation creator says it could help the developer make movies. A lot has been made of how much Bungie, uh, how much Bungie will offer Sony after a 3.6 billion acquisition was announced this week. However, speaking during an uh, earnings call Q&A, Sony CFO, uh, Chief Financial Officer Hiroki Totoki, I love that name. I just love that name, Hiroki Totoki. It sounds it, it it sounds like a Studio Ghibli character, doesn't it? A little bit, yes. Uh, asked what benefits Bungie itself saw in being acquired by Sony. Totoki's answer covered areas such as hiring and play retention, but moved on to Sony's position as a multimedia company. It's not just for the gaming area, but the multi-using of IP and merchandising of IP, like a game title may be put into movies. Bungie wants to nurture the IP they have in a multi-dimensional manner, and that's their hope. Jesus Christ, this is all corporate speak, isn't it? Mm-hmm. For that, we can help. Uh, we believe we can help that. We have Sony Pictures and Sony Music, and Bungie can leverage our pro- platform so that their IP can flourish and grow big. It's not the first time we've heard about Bungie's multimedia aspirations. Last year, the studio began hiring for a development role to, quote-unquote, drive projects that extend the Destiny franchise in new categories, including film, TV films, books, comics, and audio formats. Sony itself has been looking for a way to turn its games into multimedia projects for years at this point. Back in 2020, we heard that Sony had seven TV shows and three movies based on PlayStation games and development. And with an Uncharted movie finally on its way this month, that process seems to have begun. Um, There's also something else here, and that is, and this was just announced, and it is depressing to me. Sony wants to make ten 10 live service games in the next four years. Mm. And okay, now getting getting Destiny seems a little bit clearer because A, that's one, that's that's a live service game. Yes. But 10 of them in four years? I mean, they already turned MLB The Show into a live service game. I've had enough of games being turned into live service games. I don't... I like... You know, sometimes I like narrative games or a sports game that I don't have to spend virtual currency in. And I will never forgive Take-Two for doing that, for doing that to MLB 22, MLB 2K, whatever the year is. So um, I looked up some stuff. Bungie is worth $2 billion, according to uh, financial Damn it. Financial network. I forgot the name of the network. It's not Forbes. It's the other one, um, which is interesting because uh, Sony essentially bought Bungie for the same amount that Disney bought Marvel back in 2001, I think it was. Here's the problem. Um, Bungie is one developer with one game, although I will say this. Um, 
they did say that there's going to be a new IP from Bungie. Which, here's the thing. I hope to God it's not a live service game. Because you know what you're doing if you have Bungie make a second live service game, right? They're going to cannibalize off of Destiny. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, at that point, I don't know if you actually, like... Mm. Oh, by the way, Halo, uh, the IP itself, it was valued at $5 billion. Right. So I, these are all the... It's just funny that Sony paid twice as much for Bungie. And I get that... Here's the thing. Um, you talked to me about it earlier, and I looked it up. Yeah. Um, Call of Duty is the number one multiplayer game on Steam, and mm-hmm. uh, Destiny comes in number two. Yeah. It's uh, It's got... Destiny, it has a very fervent fan base that, like, I I don't under I'll I'll say it right now. I do not understand it. I do not understand why everybody loves Destiny Two as much as they do. But they do. They that game has like a religious fan base. Which is uh, here's the thing. I played Destiny and I was bored to tears. It was big thing. It was it was it was like. I didn't think any game could be more boring than Borderlands, but hey, they found a way. Now, okay, let's let's put an asterisk on that. Um, we will never know what Destiny was going to be really like. I mean, we've heard stories, but we know what Activision did. Um, right. Oh, Electronic Arts. Oh, wait, no, Electronic Arts is Anthem. Activision is is Bun- is Destiny. I don't. Yes. They hacked the game to pieces and. They had all this entire thing in which it was going to be more like a multiplayer MMO, you know, FPS, but it just was, there were so many things that they wanted to include that game. Right. And Bungie finally dragged themselves out from under Activision, and once they went solo, they started making it into the game that they wanted it to be, is my understanding. But the problem is that I don't like the game they made as well. <laughs> it's like Right. But here's a lot of people do. Like, an absurd amount of people do. Here's the thing. I, I haven't played World of Warcraft in a very long time, and the reason is the treadmill. I don't like going on a treadmill and doing stuff and never having an ending. And, you know, there are some games that, you know, I mean, Minecraft, I mean, but that's that's a toy. That's a toy game. Not Okay, that is a virtual toy in which you have, you know, it, it's a game and all that stuff. But at least you're creating and you're moving towards something. You're moving towards what you – it's like building a sandcastle, right? It's like, you know, I'm building a sandcastle. This is what I want. I'm going to invite my friends in. And, oh, by the way, uh, there's constant content coming in. By the way, um, Scott, have you uh, used the new content that just popped in yesterday? Uh, yesterday. I think they just did um – I think that was mostly that was on the Windows 10 or the beta where they were showing the little frogs getting. No, the, the lunar the content. lunar New Year content. Oh, the, oh no, I don't uh, I don't buy the stuff. No, um, but yeah, yeah, it is nice that they have that content if you want it. But um, I have been doing the caving in the new uh, dark caves, you know, underground and. It is a really different atmosphere now with the I mean, here's, exploring the caves. That's just you it, know. though. You have you, there's so many ways to play Minecraft. You have those oh god, those dark evil evil dark servers in which there's PvP and horror stories come from them. 
Yeah, I appreciate. I, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, I get. I guess I get what you're saying by saying it's a toy, but I like but to I, say it's a sandbox. Well, that's just it. I, yeah, but here's the thing: they have that de- e- that uber competitive PvP on some of those servers, you know. And there's, I, I watched some YouTube videos about how you know all this stuff. And then you have the other thing in which you're just creating, you're having fun, bringing people in, you're building houses. You're, and then there's other people who just want to build machines, you know, these 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 long, you know, these these things in which you know you have these machines in which okay, this is going to take this to here, and this is going to take this to here, and then and oh look, we have bread, you know. And then you have those insane people who like to do things like I made a cell phone in Minecraft that actually works. <laughs> yeah, there's some really crazy builders out there who do some really technical stuff and it just runs the gamut from any kind of pvp you could think of to adventure maps to educational to just building uh one-to-one builds of like dublin or 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 london or something or uh one of the castles in any fantasy game you can think of yeah they have that guy that they paid 300 you pay him 300 dollars he'll create these these things for you on on request but my point is that you know stuff like destiny and world of warcraft and all that stuff it's a treadmill and really nothing changes i mean they'll have the occasional content the uh, downloadable content but otherwise you know why do you raid to get better stuff what do you do with the better stuff to do better raids with all right (laughs) That, that See, vicious circle. You get all this better equipment so you can do the PvP. And I was like, I don't want to do the PvP. And so it's like, why am I playing this? I, I don't want to do a five-hour freaking raid on the Magma Core in World of Warcraft. That's just too damn long. It just it really is. Well, with Destiny, anyways, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of gear that's like... Yes, there's gear that's geared towards PvP. But there's also gear that's geared specifically towards P, uh, PVE as well, and I think that's kind of one of the one of the strengths of that game is that you can you can specialize in one or the other or both over a long enough period of time. Like you all know about the 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 Galahorn, right? It's I don't know if you all know about it, but it's like a it's like a a community favorite rocket launcher that is very well known as like a boss killer. Because it fires it, it fires rockets that specifically weaken the boss, so everybody else's gunfire does more damage to it. Now, now I'm thinking about the world, the sword of ultimate truth, created by yeah. Salzman. <laughs> created by the Salzman. Galahorn, <laughs> the Galahorn is like one of those weapons in Destiny that, like, the community is absolutely bonkers, bedonkers over. Like, it's 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 a meme. It's a it's a it's a thing that everybody came together over and just like loves. And, uh, and there's stuff like that where like certain equipment is abhorred because it's horrible. Like there's another gun called the Telestro that every time they do something new with the game, the Telestro is like built in a certain way that it really fucks up the game. So, Let's put all this into context now. Um, when it was announced that Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard, Sony's stock dropped 13%, billion. And when they paid twice as much for Bungie, that just screams they, they had to do something. They had to, they had to make a purchase. And, you know, they're giving Bungie a lot of autonomy, 
So it's sort of like they needed the name, you know, they needed Sony bought Bungie. But here's the problem. Um, so, uh, they're not getting Halo. And if Bungie here, here's the biggest problem I have with Bungie. Um, they've been making Marathon over and over and over again for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. They made Marathon, Halo, no, now Destiny. It's all basically Marathon, Halo, Des- uh, Destiny, all in one. And here's the here's the saddest thing I learned. Um, Bungie does not own Oni or Myth. 2K owns that. Yeah. And if Bungie announced they were making Oni 2, that would have made my ears prick up. Because as hard as that game was, it was fun as hell. Yeah, agreed. Um, what was that other one that Bungie has? They have like one that's a, it's Oni, an adventure game, I think. Like Oni and like, Myth. You're thinking Myth? Uh, no, it was. By the way, for those who don't, for people who don't know, I think it was Myth Two. That was the game that actually wiped your hard drive. It <laughs> was that oh, catastrophic man. bug. I think it was Myth Two. I'm not sure. You'll have to look it up. But goddamn, what a bad bug that is! <laughs> it was Minotaur, the Labyrinths of Crete. I barely remember that. See, at one point, um, Bungie was a part of God Gathering of Developers. Yeah. I have to look this up. Oh, yeah, it was Myth 2. had an uninstalled bug that just wiped your hard drive. <laughs> Ugh, that's heinous. That cost Bungie $800,000 to fix. You, can you imagine you're playing a game and all of a sudden you find, oh, wait, this game just uninstalled my entire hard drive. <laughs> There's that That is probably the ultimate. I mean, some games pretend to do that. I'm looking at you. Oh, yeah, what was that game by Silicon Knights that was on the Wii again? You know, the one that liked to fuck with you, like pretend it was making your hard drive crash or the volume was going down. You remember oh, that game? Um, I can't remember the game right now either, but um, it was Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem on yeah. the GameCube. Anyways, um, I don't know. This just smacks to me of Microsoft in 2013. Just a little bit. When Microsoft wanted to your 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 Xbox one to be the everything box, mm-hmm. and all the goodwill that it had gotten from the Xbox 360, Microsoft Don Magic just flushed down the toilet. Yeah, well, this will once once all these deals are closed. I mean, well, I think this they, this deal is going to close a, fa- a lot faster than the um than the, than the Right, and Jim Ryan was set possibility. Uh, well, here's the thing: the the Bungie acquisition is going to be done a lot faster than the uh, than the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition. Mm-hmm. I kind of hope somebody buys Konami because they're just sitting on IPs poor and Konami. doing nothing. Poor, with that. poor Konami, <laughs> it's like it's like the sickly brother you're trying to you're trying to heal. Um. I, I, I've been seeing some other interesting stuff, too. The fact that Starfield is going to be Xbox exclusive. So a, a lot of people in the industry, like Kotaku and Michael Pachter and and uh, Knowledge Hub and all that stuff, are saying, yep, here's the thing. You know, Call of Duty, once the li- once that uh, licensing deal is, ends in 24- 2024, it's going to be Game Pass 
device exclusive. Notice my wording of that, <laughs> because we know what Microsoft's end game is right now. They mm. want Game Pass on Nintendo. They want Game Pass on Sony, period. Well, if uh, one of the things that this that this uh, Bungie deal is, is it will make for a very nice bargaining chip should the possibility of Call of Duty ever leaving PlayStation come up. Remember when I said that Destiny was number two, right? right. You heard what I said number one was. Right, it's Call of Duty. And here's the thing. I think people can li- – <sighs> I hate to say, Xbox uh, PC owners, there's a very large overlap. I think if that happens, they'll just say, okay, I'll just play Destiny on my PC. And I don't think that Destiny is going to give up the, that autonomy, or I don't think that Bungie is going to no. give up that autonomy to, uh, well, I don't know if they Sony have. can't. Sony cannot afford to not get all of the Destiny money. They pay twice as much for Bungie as they as its valuation, they they really need this to work. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. But, like, I do believe that, to a certain extent, that having Bungie in its pocket makes for a very interesting bargaining chip in the conversation about where does Call of Duty go, where does Destiny go. VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 638, recorded on February 2nd, 638th edition of the TV Gaming Podcast, the 471st episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Jerk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Here's the thing, you know, Microsoft could have bought Benji at any time in the past few years, but they didn't because... Uh, Knowledge Hub discussed this as well. Uh, when when Microsoft bought Zenimax, they were talking about the people that they thought they might purchase. One of the studios that they, uh, one of the studio, uh, one of the publishers they said they might purchase is WB Games, which has a lot of developers. But there's one itty bitty problem: they don't own DC Comics and they wouldn't own uh, Lord of the Rings. They don't own the IPs. They would just have the developers. Bungie, as we said, is one game one game company. One game right now, and yeah, there's a lot of people playing Destiny, but I think Microsoft is trying to build Game Pass, and they need more than just one person. And that was probably the most attractive thing about Activision Blizzard. They have a f- metric fuck ton of, of developers, including uh, <laughs> including TJ's uh, 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 favorite, Vicarious Visions. And I know TJ is just praying and hoping Microsoft just asks Vicarious Visions what they want to do. Yeah. I hope that they get some of their talent back because they Activision Blizzard has driven a lot of their own talent away. I have a feeling a lot of them may return uh, with with Microsoft purchasing. Um, we'll see. But you know, it's it's the way it is. You know, the what's it called? The vicarious visions. You know, say hey, Microsoft wants us to do a certain thing. They start calling up people who left and say, hey, come on, come on back. Yeah. 
it's it's safe to go into the water now. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's a lot of speculation. Um, let's talk about the Sony State of Play that was today. I had no. Uh, it apparently was all about the Gran Turismo Seven. Uh, the thing, little thing that irritates me is that why don't they just call it State of Play Gran Turismo Seven? Because you have this bungee acquisition, you think it's a state of play. They got to talk about that. Nope, nope. It's all about the GTA. They said a few times that it was going to be very spe- that it was going to be solely about GTA Gran Turismo. Yeah, but they still call it the Sony State of Play. A lot of people who aren't looking up are going to think, oh, they're going to no. It's just about. But let's talk about Gran. Uh, let's talk about Gran Turismo Seven because here's the thing. Um, Gran Turismo Six was a disaster. It was an unmitigated disaster. I mean, they like to say it was old, isn't it? Yeah, there weren't many, there weren't many first-party racing games on it. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if people remember this, but there was that huge controversy in which a lot of the cars, like a hundred of them, maybe two hundred of them, were basically PS2 cars, and they had extremely low resolution, and they cheaped out on it. Yeah, and. Uh... <clears throat> Racing games are always interesting, too, because there's a lot of licenses to keep up with to keep those vehicles in the game. Yeah. Which is so, why the a lot of people don't know that, but that's why the but that's why Microsoft eventually uh, sunsets the a lot of the the previous Forza games is because they don't want to play that pay that licensing on an old title anymore. Yeah. So. It's a good sign that they took so much time between now uh, between Gran Turismo 6 and Gran Turismo 7 because it sounds like they really fixed a lot of stuff. Uh, for one thing, um, they decided to do the Forza thing and that you can have really easy to really difficult to really realistic, which is good. I mean, that's that's nice to be able to, hey, if you just want to drive cars, pretty cars on a track, you know, and not have to worry about, yeah, I need to tune this and I need to tune that and, you know, no, just drive. Yeah, uh, they're going to have a lot of customization in this, but again, but like you said, you can also just take it at a sort of arcade level of uh, of approach. Yeah, where, uh, they're doing the world map too, which is fine. Here's the thing: I don't mind if a racing game doesn't use a world map. I mean, one of my favorite games of all time is Burnout, and it didn't do that. It just had okay, this now, this now, this, and you know, you have cars driving or anything, and then you find the races on it. That's fine. But sometimes I just like, you know, I want to start this race and I don't want to have to drive to it. Just start it here. Boom. Go. It's fine, though. I, um, they're, they're saying there's going to be more than 400 cars. And that's initially not. And they're going to have more DLC cars, of course. Um, what's interesting is there's also they're going to do the used cars thing that uh, what was the name of that game that did it? It wasn't. It was the Criterion. It was the uh, Burnout City thing. I think it was that they rotated yeah. cars. I don't remember that one. But, yeah, um, they're also going to have a bunch of modes, uh, mission, license, used cars, brand central, sports, scrapes, world circuits, cafe, garage. They have one. They have one mode that looks interesting where it's it's music rally mode. Yes. That was the first thing they talked about. Yeah. In which you actually have to race towards checkpoints in tune to music. I kind of dig that. Yeah. Go ahead. Like, it, it's just like music is another part of like driving games. Like, you don't 
I guess it's one of those things where, like, the, I, I wonder what kind of licensed tracks they're going to have for this game. Or, yeah, licensed soundtracks they're going to have for this game. But, like, I really dig the idea of, like, <laughs> actually trying to race against various songs. You know, what's, you know what's really depressing? You know what you can't do anymore? You can't burn your music to your console anymore. Do you remember That's doing so that? Yeah. <laughs> that that would be epic if they would allow that. If you could you import your own music in there, it's. I mean, there's no reason why they can't. They just don't want to. There's some games that are backwards compatible in Xbox 360 that actually have that, and you can't use it because you can't do it anymore. It's, yeah. That sucks. I, I was just thinking, like, it would be cool to just drive to music, you know? Like, it just you're just driving to listen to the music and... I don't know, dude, that just sounds like a really cool, chill idea. So, on an excitement factor, how excited are you for Gran Turismo 7? Oh, I thought you were going to say something, Scott. Um, it's another driving sim, and it looks cool, it does. Like, it's going to take advantage of a lot of the stuff that the PS5 can do, including the including ray tracing and... And being able to do use the DualSense controllers and haptic feedback. Um, I don't remember the last time I I was all that crazy about a racing game, mm-hmm. but it does seem like this has some pretty fun features in it. Of course, yeah. it's going to use the haptic, of course, in 3D audio. I mean, yeah. First of all, I would need to be able to get a PS5. I don't That's, really have a place for PS5. I have my PS2, 3, and 4, along with my Switch. And, you know, and I'm going to get a Steam Deck pretty soon. So I don't really even have room for the thing, even if I could buy it. See, that's the sort of Damocles hanging over the uh, over Sony right now as well, is that they just can't get any PS5s out. So they're doubling down on getting out more PS4s. Yeah, that's... That I makes don't. no sense. <laughs> I don't know how they can get more PS4s out, but can't get more PS5s out, because I'm pretty sure both need chips. I I think they already have the stockpile of chips for the PS4, but here's the thing, is that uh, it's not just that they're producing PS4s, it's just that they're going to overproduce them, thinking that people people are going to buy a PS4 when they're looking for a PS5. Yeah. It's two years now. I mean, no one's looking for a PS4 anymore, unless it's grandma looking for a gift for their for their son uh, for their grandkids. I, I mean, I'm not going to get an Xbox One X for anybody. Yeah. It's just yeah, unless it's, you're like a retro gamer, but I guess you're going to play a PS4 or two at that point. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Okay, uh, next item. Okay, EA's boss went from... No, 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 the one before it. Hmm? The one before it. Okay, I thought you just... Okay, uh, MLB The Show 22 is coming to the Switch. Uh, one of 2021's most eyebrow-raising stories was MLB The, the Show... The PlayStation published an exclusive series launching on Xbox platforms, including Game Pass. If you thought seeing the PlayStation Studios logo appear on Xbox title was strange, we're about to see it happen in Nintendo's Ballpark 2. 
That's because the newly announced MLB The Show 22 is coming to Switch, marking the series' first appearance on the Nintendo platform. The game is also heading to Xbox for the second year in a row, including launching day one on Game Pass. Of course, you'll still be able to play it on PlayStation consoles, Los Angeles, Angels Superstar Player, and American League MVP Shohei Otani graces his this year's cover, and the game is set to launch on April the 5th. You can look for MLB The Show 22 on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the Switch. You know, seeing that list, it makes me shocked. It doesn't also say, and also on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Hmm. The Last real people... Go ahead. There are two things about this that are confusing to me. First off, how are they going to make... I, I, I didn't... This isn't a cloud version like they've been doing for the Nintendo Switch. It's just a straight-up regular version. <laughs> put that on the Switch without making it look like shit. Oh, my God. You know, I just had this image of them releasing it as a 16-bit game on the Switch. You know, like the old baseball stars. <laughs> like, if this was a cloud version like they've done with Control and and uh, Kingdom Hearts and a few other things, that would make sense to me. But, like, just MLB The Show just straight up on there as, like, a, a full-out edition? Like, what is I mean, that if going they to can, They can run Witcher 3 on the Switch, apparently. I guess it would look okay on the, the I'm, Switch. I'm willing to get bet you anything it's going to be in 1080p. I'm going to tell you this as well. The Witcher 3 port is bad. Uh. Like I said, it's <laughs> going to be 1080p, um, you know... 1080p, maybe 60 frames, um, maybe 30, 30 frames per second, we don't know. Baseball games aren't really all that taxing. Um, here's the thing, though. What features are going to be taken out of the game is the question. See, that's, that's the thing. Maybe they will not have a league mode or a road to the show mode and just have the Diamond Dynasty and, and regular playing games mode. We don't know. Because the reason it's coming to Switch is because they want people to do Diamond, Di- Diamond Dynasty, period, end of story. Well, and that was going to be my second question is, why the fuck isn't this game coming out on PC yet? That's the other question I'm wondering. Yeah, it, I mean, I could play it on PC if I do Game Pass because they have, I can do it through a browser. Um, I have no idea. Maybe PC they're afraid of getting shellacked here. Like... I, I know a lot of fan, I know a lot of sports fans that would love to play MLB the Show on PC. They have to wait behind the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I will say this, you know, one nice thing about this is you're going to have Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch crossplay. So everybody's yeah. coming together. <laughs> yeah. I you know, and this is all MLB, MLB publishes the game, not Sony, by the way. So. MLB said, no, we're, we're doing this on other platforms because we want money, damn it. And for those who don't understand the, the baseball licensing deal, uh, the deal that MLB did was that anybody can do a first-party uh, first licensed MLB game, which means Sony can do the show. Microsoft, for whatever reason, refuses to do high-heat baseball even though they own the license, which is bizarre to me. And Nintendo doesn't do one either. Uh, so only Sony decided they were going to do a, uh, you know, a, a first-party baseball game, and MLB is seeing all the money that's they're not making money from this li- licensing deal. They're losing money on the licensing deal because 
they assumed that all three all three companies would make a baseball game, but Microsoft and Nintendo decided nah, it's not worth it. And then MLB has to publish another baseball game, RBI, RBI Baseball, which everybody knows is uniformly shit. <laughs> yeah. So that's it's confusing. Like I, I really. I really don't understand why they're trying to make a full edition for a Nintendo Switch instead of a cloud version like they've been doing for quite a few other games. And I really hope that PC players get that release someday. Uh, one of the things I found out, um, one of the additions that I really want for Road to the Show is that it'll allow you to easily do more than one player now without having to go through hoops to just to, uh, to start anew as a, as a different type of, type of player. Because that was a problem in, in last year's edition. And also, Road to the Show was boring. I finished in the Hall of Fame. The game said, okay, congratulations. That's it. Game over. Oh, you want to do a new, a new player? Yeah. Tr- try and figure out how to do that on your own, scrub. But wouldn't you like to play Diamond Dynasty? I yeah. think they're... I th- <laughs> I think they're also going to expand on stadium creation. Which would be fine, except for, like, is that going to work on... No, it's not going to be on the Switch. I, I, I'll yeah. bet you... It, it, it's Hey, it's not on the PS4, and it's not on the Xbox One to begin with. Yeah. So, I'm not expecting much out of that Switch version. It's cool that... Uh, it's cool that they they finally give that player some. Re- it's cool that they finally give that player some recognition because Shohei Otani is apparently like he's the flavor of the he's the flavor of the month right now. You really think so? You don't think yeah. he's all that he's cracked up to be? Yeah, he's gonna burn out early. Watch, I, I've seen this happen a lot of times. Um, the thing the thing about the Switch version is that I'm still happy about it because guess what? You know what? So what if it's a stripped down version? Remember, kids also play this game, too. And they just want to play some baseball. It'll be also interesting to see how they incorporate the uh, screen. Okay, TJ, take the next one. Okay. Uh, That's going to be... EA's boss went from calling NFTs the future to running away from them. From Kotaku. Just three months ago, Electronic Arts CEO Andrew Wilson called NFTs an important part of the future of our industry. Now he's doing everything he can to downplay their significance. The move by the publisher of FIFA and Madden comes as the the NFT backlash hits new heights, including at EA, where Kotaku has learned that even some of the company's own employees have been critical of Wilson's past positions on the controversial crypto tech. Asked about NFTs, Wilson gave a long and winding response that ended in a simple answer, right now it's not something we're driving hard on. He said, likening it to past venture capital fads around 3D, AR, and VR. While EA never rushed to embrace NFTs the way that competitors like Square Enix and Ubisoft have, the company was quite bullish on them back in November. Anything that brings in more that brings more people in and engages those people for more more time in a context with the extent that I think it's a good thing over time. Wilson said during a second uh, quarter investor call last year, "I think that I think that is the very foundation of our live services. 
I think that the play to earn or the NFT conversation is still really, really early. And there's a lot of conversation and there's a lot of hype about it. I do think it will be an important part of the future of our industry on a go-forward basis. These remarks came just a month after the New York Times reported that EA was locked in a messy fight to renew the FIFA license. EA's future plans for the soccer game apparently included exploring other ventures within its EA video game ecosystem, including highlights of actual games, arena video game tournaments, and digital products like NFTs. I know Uh, that it would be wonderful if EA lost the FIFA license and now it became a, uh, a license that anybody could have. My understanding is that EA, there's been a couple stories about that recently, and my understanding is that EA doesn't want to pay the licensing to FIFA anymore. Um, and there's also the shadiness of the FIFA organization as a whole to consider. God. <laughs> Everybody go go rent a copy of United Passions if you want. <laughs> Something that's really sleazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those who don't know, United Passions was a film that was funded by FIFA just talk about how great their corporate uh, people were and how the corporate people were were the heroes. Yeah. So it's it's I, I as much as uh, they they say that EA is fighting for it, I also think EA is sort of putting the like putting the squeeze on FIFA to be like to either lower that fee or. EA will find, or EA will work with other clubs. You know, when Konami was still alive, they might be interested in this, but... Yeah, they pooped themselves already with uh, eFootball. It's not only that. It's not only that, but I don't think Konami is interested much in video games to begin with right now. That's one of the things that makes me not want anyone to buy Konami, is because buying Konami's IP... That's a different story. Buying Konami itself, then what do you expect? Konami is going to make the games? They're terrible well, at that. Here's the, here's the thing, though. Um, when people say buy Konami, they don't mean Konami. They mean Konami's game group. There are two different things. As a matter of fact, Konami, I believe, separated the two uh, two parts of the company a long time ago. So when you say buy Konami, they mean buy Konami games. But even Konami games isn't good at making games anymore. Yeah, I think if if you're going to buy Konami games, that means you're buying the IPs. And you're buying Metal Gear, you're buying uh, Con- you're buying Contra, I think, and Bionic Commando. And I was going to say, you do not want the Konami that made the last Contra game. <laughs> the last Contra game was very, 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 very bad, and nobody should <laughs> nobody should praise it for anything. Oh yeah, you're if you buy Konami, you're buying Castlevania. Yes. But even like Konami, but even with Castlevania, Konami, uh, they they shipped that out. They gave that to Mercury Steam to uh, work with for a few games. I wonder if there's still an interest for Zone of the Enders. Actually, now that I think about it, I like that series a lot. Um, is one of my favorite mecha series. But uh, I don't know. As far as uh, NFTs go, it is funny to see, and like. A big part of that sentiment with NFTs, every single time you hear about a big NFT thing, it's usually a massive scam that's pissing everybody off and just trampling on their rights. Yeah, here's the thing. You know, two of the biggest NFT NFT things was 
Elon Musk doing a massive pump and dump twice, first on Bitcoin, then on Dogecoin, and then scamming everybody out of millions of dollars. Because here's the thing. If you did that with real stocks, the SEC would slap you and you would not be able to breathe and they would they would stomp on you. You can do whatever the fuck you want with, with Bitcoin and Dogecoin because guess what? Um, it's unregulated. And NFT is the same thing. And oh, by the way, a lot of them are outright thieves stealing artwork, just copy and pasting other people's artwork to put their fucking NFT codes on. It's like it's really gross. And if you ever talk to them, uh, uh, it's like listening to people about Amway. That's what that is what NFT is. Amway. It's um, Mary Kay. It's all these greater fool things in which you, you, you're not going to win unless you have someone who's going to buy in. And a lot of these people, you know, say we did all this, you know, because they bought their own NFTs and made it sound uh, seem like people were buying in when it was only them that were buying in. You know, they spent 50000 to buy their own NFTs to make it look like it's starting to get hot. And here's the story that made me laugh the hardest. Uh, check this out. You remember all those stories about this, like this uh, chain was accepting a Bitcoin and that chain was accepting Bitcoin. Like, oh, this KFC is, is allows payment in Bitcoin. Um, there were two dude bros who went around Europe and world who are, you know, who are these trust fundies would ask these, these, these people to allow them to slap a, that, that logo on the cash register. And then they would take a picture of it. Mm. And that's, that's how, that's how that rumor happened. It is just, pathetic yeah so like you've had it where sega has been very cautious about nfts uh troy baker got into nfts for a for a little second and then everybody shouted him down uh the worms series from team 17 they were going to do a worm series of nfts and then everyone was like fucking don't <laughs> yeah when ubisoft did their nfts what was it 15 of them were, were sold and even the VP for Ubisoft, like he tried to double down, like people just don't get it yet. <laughs> Here's what it is. Uh, do you remember the subprime mortgages? That's what this is. Yeah. It's exactly what this is. This is the subprime, subprime mortgage scam all over again. And oh, by the way, if you ever uh, – here's the thing, people. Look up the Tulip bubble and the South Sea Company bubble, and you'll see the exact same things happening here that happened there. This is as old as the hills, and the only people who get rich on it are the people who get in really early. And that here's the thing. All these companies know that. They know that. What they're trying to do is trying to get you to sign into Amway so they can make a quick buck, and that's it. They don't really believe in NFTs. They don't really believe in Bitcoin. What they do believe in is they want you to make them rich and let you hold the bag with worthless crap. And, um, yeah, and every day you'll hear a story about someone who go, logs into their Bitcoin account, and guess what? It's all gone. It was stolen from them. Someone hacked them. And there's very little recourse they can do. I mean, it is illegal to steal, but, yeah, try and enforce that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess, like... Even and especially given the fact that EA came off of a quarter where it had to apologize profusely for Battlefield 2042. That was another uh, mo- that was another minor news uh, uh, news item that I thought about doing, and that is yeah, Activ- uh, 
EA said, yeah, Battlefield 2042 sucked, and we, we made a mistake. Do you think this kills DICE, or do you think DICE will live through it? <sighs> nah, I mean, DICE will live through it. Um, I don't know if they'll they'll still... I don't know how large the company will be, but here's the thing. Uh, EA did not buy DICE for Battlefield. They bought DICE for their Frostbite engine, period, end of story. Mm-hmm. That's why they try to make everything that they produced have the Frostbite engine. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of surprising, but kind of glad to see that they're backwards uh, going back on this and oh, giving second thoughts to this. I know there's a lot of backlash, and the more I read about the NFTs, the more scam-like it seems and just abusable. And, uh, and yeah, and I keep hearing about how cryptocurrency keeps getting hacked and billions keep getting stolen. It just uh, here. It just Scott, do me a favor. Um, after this podcast, go to YouTube, um, look up Folding Ideas NFTs, uh, Folding Ideas, the uh, web channel. That's the video I think I saw. Yeah. that is it, For those who don't know, it's a two-hour video um, mm-hmm. with him talking about, you know, it's 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 like watching The Wolf of Wall Street all over again. It, it, it does a really good building up how we got to this point, you know, and, and going through all the different little things. And explaining it into really good detail. It's a really good video. And also, like I said, um, also look up the tulip bubble in the Netherlands and the South Sea uh, South Sea Company. As a matter of fact, um, Extra History did an excellent series on the um, on the South Sea Company. It's hilarious. Oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that. That was good. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, no, I, they just want, they just, they don't want government regulation, but then they cry when government, re- uh, no regulation means you can get ripped off five ways from Sunday, and yeah. the only people who are who are making money are the rich, and they're doing it off your back. And here's the thing, um. In the early, in the late 1800s, this is what happened before the SEC happened. You had all these pump and dumps in the stock market, you know. And I don't know. You, you, if you were a little guy doing the stock market in the 19th century, you were going to get killed. It wasn't until the SEC was formed to regulate it that this that it's. I, I'm not going to get into it. It's it's just. A long history, or a uh, history lesson, and we're, we're it's we're, this podcast has gone on long enough. Mm-hmm. Anyways, okay, I guess look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback, leave us comments at our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, hit us up at facebook.com/slash/gamingpodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, leave some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Shard or More. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all. And we will see you next week. Damn. <laughs> Try to get you. Try to get you with that. See, it didn't work. It worked. <laughs> I mean, you got me the first time. <laughs> we will see you next week. Bye-bye.
PGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 638, recorded on February 2nd, 638th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast, the 471st episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. 